Hi there, Harrison. We hope you're having a great day over in Minneapolis. We are excited to have you as a new listener. It's Tuesday, and the weather's looking pretty decent with a high of 46 degrees and just a few clouds this morning. Later on, though, it looks like those clouds are going to thicken up a bit. Perfect weather to catch up on the news, and we've got some interesting stories for you today to kick this podcast off right. First up, there's a new player in the artificial intelligence game. Paris-based Mistral AI has just launched its flagship model, Mistral Large, aiming to compete with giants like GPT-4 and Claude 2. Not stopping there, they've also introduced Le Chat as an alternative to ChatGPT. And with a partnership with Microsoft to boot, Mistral AI is shaking things up in the AI world. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Welcome to Harrison's News from PocketPod News. Moving over to the legal realm. The Supreme Court is currently reviewing laws from Florida and Texas that restrict how social media companies moderate content. These laws have sparked intense debate about free speech online and the role of platforms in political discourse. And finally, court storming in college basketball is under scrutiny after Wake Forest fans injured Duke star Kyle Filipowski during a post-game celebration. The incident has reignited debates over fan player safety and whether this tradition has a place in modern sports. Three big stories with far-reaching implications for technology, law, and sports. Stay with us. We've got all the news you need to start your day right here on Harrison's News. This message is brought to you by PocketPod. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to a fully personalized listening experience with AI-crafted podcast made just for you. Head over to PocketPod.app to join the waitlist. From the heart of Paris, a new player is stepping onto the global AI stage. That's right. Mistral AI, a startup that's been making waves with its innovative approach to artificial intelligence, has just launched two major projects, Mistral Large and Le Chat. With an impressive amount of funding and a partnership with Microsoft, Mistral AI is positioning itself as a serious competitor to giants like OpenAI and Anthropic. And what's really catching people's attention is their focus on affordability and multilingual support, not to mention their strategic pivot from an open source model to a more commercialized approach. It seems like they're not just here to play, they're here to change the game. Our PocketPod News technology analyst Paige Owens remarked earlier, Page joins us today to dive deeper into what Mistral AI's moves mean for the future of artificial intelligence. Page? Absolutely, Jonathan. Mistral AI is indeed making waves with its innovative approach and rapid growth in the AI space. Starting with Mistral Large, this new large language model is a clear signal that the company is aiming to compete head-to-head with giants like OpenAI's GPT-4 and Anthropic's Claude 2. What sets Mistral Large apart is its focus on affordability and multilingual support, covering languages such as English, French, Spanish, German, and Italian. This broad language support not only opens up accessibility, but also underlines the company's ambition to serve a global audience. And what about Le Chat? That seems like a direct challenge to ChatGPT. Indeed, Le Chat is another bold step by Mistral AI. By offering this chat assistant service in beta for free initially, they're directly appealing to early adopters and tech enthusiasts. The unique selling proposition here is the choice between three different interaction models, which could indicate a flexible approach towards both casual users and more demanding enterprise clients down the line. It's clear they're testing the waters now for a more robust offering in the future. Let's talk numbers for a second. Their funding rounds sound impressive. They are quite remarkable. Since its incorporation in May 2023, 
Mistral AI has managed to secure a total of $528 million through various funding rounds. This level of investment underlines significant investor confidence in their technology and business model. Specifically, the lead by Andres and Horowitz in their December round showcases not just financial backing, but a strong belief in Mistral AI's strategic vision within the tech community. And partnership with Microsoft? That sounds like a major endorsement? Absolutely, Jonathan. The partnership with Microsoft opens up vast distribution channels via Azure and aligns both companies' interests across several AI initiatives. It's an endorsement that not only validates Mistral AI's technological capabilities, but also places it on an accelerated path towards integration into enterprise solutions. How significant is their shift from open source to commercialized offerings? This pivot signifies Mistral AI's maturation from an ambitious startup to a serious competitor in the market. By moving towards a commercialized model similar to OpenAI's strategy, they're looking at sustainable revenue streams while scaling up their technology offerings. This transition could potentially set new benchmarks for how emerging AI companies approach growth and monetization strategies. And pricing? That's always going to be a key factor. Absolutely right there. Competitive pricing could be Mistral AI's ace in the hole. Their cost structure positions them as significantly more affordable than some of their competitors, which could make them highly attractive to cost-conscious users or those requiring large-scale processing capabilities without breaking the bank. So what does all this mean for the future of artificial intelligence? Jonathan, Mistral AI's emergence marks an exciting phase in artificial intelligence development where competition drives innovation forward at an unprecedented pace. Their strategic moves, from comprehensive language support with Mistral Large to flexible user-centric services like Lisha, coupled with aggressive funding and smart partnerships, point towards a broader democratization of advanced AI technologies. As they continue evolving from open-source routes towards scalable commercial ventures, it'll be fascinating to see how they influence not just market dynamics, but also how we interact with artificial intelligence on a daily basis. That was PocketPod News technology analyst Paige Owens. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. The Supreme Court is currently deliberating on something that could reshape the landscape of the Internet as we know it. That's right. They're looking into laws from Florida and Texas aimed at limiting how social media companies can moderate content, particularly focusing on political viewpoints. It's a crucial moment for free speech and platform regulation. And with justices showing deep concerns about the implications of these laws for all kinds of Internet platforms, it's clear this isn't just about social media giants. PocketPod News national political correspondent Don Gallup has been following the case closely. Don, what can we expect from the court? Indeed, Jonathan, the Supreme Court's deliberations on the Florida and Texas laws present a pivotal moment in the ongoing debate over free speech and regulation on social media platforms. The justices are grappling with complex questions that could reshape how content moderation is handled in the United States. Could you give us a bit of background on these cases? Absolutely. The core of these legal battles revolves around two state laws, Florida's Senate Bill 7272 and Texas's House Bill 20, both aimed at preventing social media companies from moderating content based on political viewpoints. These laws were enacted by Republican governors with the intention of addressing what they perceive as a bias against conservative views on major platforms like Twitter and Facebook. It sounds like these laws are trying to address concerns about free speech and censorship. That's correct, Jonathan. The controversy stems from accusations of anti-conservative bias by tech giants, leading to calls for more transparent and fair content moderation practices. 
However, these state laws have sparked significant debate about where the line should be drawn between protecting free speech and allowing private companies to moderate their platforms. What's been the judicial response so far? We've seen a divided judicial landscape. A federal appeals court mostly sided with tech companies in challenging Florida's law but supported Texas in its case. This division underscores the legal complexity surrounding Internet regulation and raises questions about consistency in applying First Amendment protections across different states. And how have the Supreme Court justices reacted during oral arguments? Justices across the ideological spectrum expressed skepticism about the broad reach of these laws. For example, Justice Sotomayor pointed out that they could affect not just social media giants, but also any online platform hosting user-generated content. Meanwhile, Justice Kavanaugh highlighted concerns over First Amendment rights against government suppression of speech, and Justice Gorsuch mentioned the role of Section 230 in protecting content moderation decisions. With such complexities, what outcomes might we expect from the Supreme Court? The court faces a difficult task. They could issue a ruling by June that directly addresses these issues or opt not to rule definitively, sending them back to lower courts for further consideration. This reflects broader challenges in adapting legal frameworks to contemporary technology landscapes where many precedents are based on older technologies like cable TV rather than today's Internet platforms with massive user bases. So it seems like there's a lot at stake here for future Internet governance policies. Absolutely, Jonathan. The outcome of this case could significantly influence how free speech rights are balanced with platform responsibilities online. It highlights critical tensions between ensuring open discourse and enabling platforms to maintain community standards against harmful content, all within an outdated legal framework struggling to keep pace with technological advances. Don, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. The thrill of victory on the college basketball court often leads to a storm. A court storm, that is. Right, but what's meant to be a celebration can quickly turn dangerous. Recent incidents where athletes were put in harm's way have sparked a heated debate over the tradition of court storming. With us today is Pocket Pod sports reporter Dennis Akers, who's been looking into these incidents and the broader conversation around them. Dennis, how are schools and athletic conferences grappling with the safety concerns versus maintaining this long-standing tradition? Um, well, Jonathan, it's a complex issue. On the one hand, court storming is seen as an integral part of college basketball's vibrant culture. It's a way for fans to express their excitement and feel connected to their team's victory. However, the recent incidents involving Duke star Kyle Filipowski and Iowa star Caitlin Clark have highlighted the darker side of this tradition with Clark being knocked down on January 21st and Filipowski injured during a court storm after a game against Wake Forest, there's a growing concern about player safety that can't be ignored. That sounds quite serious. Can you delve into what exactly happened in those incidents and why they've sparked such a debate? Um, absolutely. In both cases, um, the athletes um, were caught in the chaos that ensued when fans flooded the court to celebrate their team's win. While these celebrations are meant to be joyous occasions, they've shown to put players at risk of injury, uh, be it from accidental collisions or more deliberate altercations. This has reignited an ongoing debate about whether the thrill of court storming is worth the potential harm to players, fans, and staff. Interesting points there, Dennis. So what are people saying about possibly banning court storming? Is there any consensus? 
Opinions are certainly divided, Jonathan. There are purists who argue that court storming is an essential element of college basketball that should be preserved for its ability to enhance fan experience and create unforgettable moments. On the flip side, there's a growing chorus of voices calling for its ban on safety grounds. The challenge here lies not only in deciding whether or not to ban it, but also in how such a ban could be enforced given the logistical challenges of controlling large crowds. Speaking of enforcement challenges, what kind of obstacles are we looking at here? Well, enforcing a ban could indeed be tricky. For one thing, how do you manage thousands of excited fans in real time without risking further chaos? The SEC's attempt with a multi-tiered fine system starting with the 2023-24 athletic calendar is one approach, but hasn't been entirely effective in deterring fans from storming courts uh, so far. Another idea floated around has been making the home team forfeit the game if their fans invade the pitch, a suggestion that's controversial due to its potential impact on players who had no control over their supporters' actions. Are there any potential solutions or best practices being discussed to mitigate these risks without outright banning court storming? Yes, Jonathan. Some schools have begun practicing uh, their post-game procedures with, with uh, security personnel to prepare for possible court storms better. Communication appears key here, both in terms of informing fans about expected behavior and in uh, coordinating security teams' responses should celebrations get out of hand. Coaches also play an essential role by preemptively moving players off the field as quickly as possible once a game concludes. And what's been the response from college athletics administrators on this issue? Administrators seem torn between ensuring player safety and preserving fan engagement, two core aspects of collegiate sports appeal, while some advocate for focusing on preventive measures rather than, you know, enforcing outright bans, others emphasize proactive communication with fans as crucial for maintaining order during these exuberant celebrations. It certainly sounds like there's no easy answer here, but rather a need for careful consideration and perhaps compromise on all sides. Exactly right. Finding common ground where excitement for fans um, doesn't come at the expense of safety for players is key here. Thanks so much for shedding light on this complex issue today. My pleasure, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. And that's Harrison's News for Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening, Harrison. We hope you have a good day and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to pocketpod.app.